0: The Tennis Scaling Podcast and Sports Scaling Podcast is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here for Thursday, August 11th. I'm your host Scott Rochelle, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Sam Jacob. And together, we're going to do a bit of a midweek breakdown of the ATP Montreal Tournament. I know usually we do one in the early rounds, then we'll do one for about the semis or the finals. However, since this is such an important tournament, we decided to throw in an extra episode for all of you. But... I want to talk to my co-host first. Sam, how's it going with you? How's your betting week been so far for the tournament?
1: I'm doing just fine here. You know, I had a we all had a devastating loss with Medvedev losing to Kyrgyz. Sometimes the bad guys beat the good guys uh, in the long run. We won't see so much of that. We all know the story. We all watch the movies. But, uh, yeah, it's a real shame. Kyrgyz was able to win three sets, took took our dogs down for Medvedev to win the quarter. But That was your uh, dog.
0: My dog was Martinez, uh, who, yeah, Martinez ended up not getting there. He lost in three to Monfils. It was even more annoying because he was serving for the set in the first set, and then he choked it away, lost in a breaker, won the second set, lost the third. So I lost the dog. I did win the lock, though, and you did, too.
1: Right. Yeah. I picked the Demon Hour to beat Shapovalov, even though Shapovalov is in his hometown. He didn't. He looked pretty. He looked decent. The crowd was definitely getting behind him. He looked a lot better than what he how he was looking prior to this tournament. So uh, I'm going to keep an eye on Shapovalov to see if he improves. But yeah, Demon Hour just played very, very well as hitting balls back into play. Even those big shots by Shapo. And uh, we were able to get the win there.
0: Dan I had Schwartzman uh, wasn't easy at all. Uh, he was actually getting his ass kicked. He was he lost the first set 6-1, came back, won the second set. Then he was down 3-0 in the third set. And if you have not watched that third set, I recommend watching some highlights because that Schwartzman-Fokina match was absolutely insane. But Schwartzman ended up holding on. He came back, he won, so I won the lock there. He lost to Ramos Vanillas the next round. Not my problem, but he won the bet for us. So we won the locks. We lost the dogs. Not a bad episode by any means. And hopefully we'll sweep the board this time around. And I got but... some
1: value there. Also, if you're listening to the podcast, at minus 130 or minus 135 or Demon Hour I ended up closing at minus 160, minus 165. So that was pretty good.
0: Yeah. And that was a really, I'd say, interesting match to follow because the weather for the first day or two of the tournament was just absolutely atrocious. You had so many starts and stops because of rain, and it seemed like they were trying to force the action where they'd bring the players back onto the court for like five minutes, it would rain again, and then they would just have to come off the court again. That happened like three separate times, and then they eventually got the match in. It was a very, I'd say, annoying spot to, at least if you had money on it, to stop a match while Diminor was cruising for the most part, and then you stop it mid-tiebreaker in the second set. But Dimonor held on, he won, and the weather has been cooperating the last couple of days, which has been nice. So you have actually had a lot of matches to look forward to. But I do want to talk about some of the overall takeaways for this tournament, because I'm sure we got a lot of them. But before we do all that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. Thinking of joining Winbet, now is the perfect time for new customers to join because new customers who bet $100 get a $100 free bet. If you're betting baseball, you have to check out Winbet for their reduced juice in baseball games, which makes them the best place to bet MLB. Plus, the Winbet Casino is always open 24 hours a day where you can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to Sports Gambling Podcast com slash win so they know we sent you that sports gambling podcast slash W Y N N B E T to claim your free bet today all for subject to change terms and conditions at Winbet.com com must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough through bet is available if you or someone you know has a gambling problem call 1-800 4700 we're also brought to you by Odds Trader. On this podcast, I've mentioned time and time again the importance of shopping your wines. And while it might be annoying to pull up several books to find the best wine available for you, it takes a lot of effort. And luckily for us, Odds Trader does the work for you because OddsTrader is the perfect place to compare odds from all the major sportsbooks in one central location. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sportsbooks to get the best deal when you initially sign up. The app provides you with player statistics, key game stats, injury reports, and projected game day weather for bettors to make the most informed bets possible. It also has a bet tracker feature so bettors can keep records of all their games and betting activity. Go to OddsTrader.com slash BlueWire. OddsTrader, the number one site for all of your game day bets. Welcome back, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We talked briefly about how we did on the last episode. We did pretty well hitting both locks, but I mentioned that some matches were finally able to actually take place after the weather cooperated following a shaky day one. However, uh, we do got to talk about some of the very, very interesting developments in the first couple of days. Particularly, we mentioned briefly how Medvedev the defending champion was eliminated by Kyrgios in a very intense three-set match. Kyrgios came back from one set down, looked really good. He did not get broken the entire match. And I watched the entire thing. I know Sam did as well. Uh, Sam, you have any real takeaways from the match, or just the fact that Mvutiv stands too far away from the court? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, it's just a shame that he couldn't break him. He only had two break points in the entire match. I think both came in the third set, which was a little sad. I get. Yeah. I mean, he. It did seem like he just the the. Length of him away from the net and away from the court is what really hurt him. Kyrgyz was really given those volleys where Medvedev just couldn't get to them, which kudos to Kyrgyz is just impressive with Medvedev's speed and talent. I'm not sure if I uh, mentioned this in the prior podcast, but they came up with a stat while I was watching uh, last week, Medvedev versus, uh, I believe it was Nori, that Medvedev has done the most full sprints in tennis matches than anyone who ever has played the game. So it's just impressive that Kyrgios can hit those shots where Medvedev can't get to the ball no matter what. So kudos to Kyrgios. You know, you know I hate him because he hasn't really showed us his true capabilities, and here we're now seeing the true capabilities, so it really takes away from my point of hating him. Him. It's not that I'm like deeply involved. I'm so deeply passionate about hating him. It's there's a lot of baggage involved, but yeah, you, you see him scream on every single point, even when he's serving. If the other, if the other player, you know, is able to win a point on his own serve, he's just screaming at his own coaches. And the antics are still there. The screaming at the ref is still there. The screaming just to scream at at, um, at fans is still there. So. You know, my hatred is dying down only a tiny bit. I'm still running against him for the most part because of these antics. If he would tune down the antics, then, you know, I'd actually grow a greater appreciation for him. Uh, we'll see how he does in this tournament. If he definitely comes through and wins this Toronto Open and we see how he does in the U.S. Open. I mean, Montreal, I'm sorry, and U.S. Open, you know. We'll see how much you know. I, I grow a liking towards him, but yeah, main takeaway: Medvedev was standing too far away from the from the court and from the net, and it, it hurt him.
0: Yeah, and it really surprises me that more players don't fully embrace the serve and volley tactic against Medvedev or even Dominic Team, who are the two main players that I could think of for standing that far off the court. I remember Nadal lost in the in Wimbledon long time ago to Moore and Moore was a pretty well-known servant volleyer from Luxembourg back in the day. So I'm surprised for these players who are elite, but stand so far back off the court. I don't know why servant volley isn't used more and Kyrios, It seems like he's really embraced using his net skills more, which I think has been a huge difference for him because he's a very underrated doubles player and he won the Australian Open doubles with Kokonakis. But he's good at the net, good at serving. We saw him deploy the serve and volley against pretty much every opponent that he's faced recently, and he's been rolling. So I expect him to keep using it moving forward, and I do think Kyrgios at 13-1 to 1 to win the US Open. It's really not a bad price, especially since Djokovic can't show up.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely fair enough. He just beat the world number one with Medvedev.
0: Nadal's still injured, of it's, course.
1: It's very, t- it's very tough because a different ball game with three out of five, and we still haven't seen him besides. And Wimbledon get there. We didn't have to play Nadal, um, and the, these, um, these Russians weren't able to play. So we'll definitely see what he's like in three out of five. But I think he fares way, way better in these two out of three matches because of the mentality of the three out of five. He'll definitely should win a few uh, rounds, but... Thirteen to one, definitely. Uh, it, with quality of play, it's it's definitely true. But I have to still see something from him from a major that wasn't this past Wimbledon to really get behind him.
0: It's fair. I'm just looking at the odds, and fair I figured enough. once it's officially announced that Djokovic is not going to play in the U.S. Open, we both think he's not going to. We think it's bullshit, but we think he's not going to play. Then I don't know how Kyrgyz doesn't close at like ten to one or nine to one.
1: Yeah, once I take Djokovic off the board, definitely fair. Um, to up Kyrgios's, uh value, I meant. I mean, takeaways value. Yeah, to reduce the price on right. It yeah. uh, definitely depends on the draw, but for quality of play, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, but I was also going to ask you about some other takeaways. It's time for me to do a brief victory lap. On the Blast podcast, I said something extremely bold to people who either were paying some attention or not enough attention. I said Alcaraz might be the most overrated player on the tour. And it was a loaded statement because I'm aware he's still very young. And I said he was still going to win a couple grand slams. I'm not calling him a bust or anything. He's obviously talented. But people have been trying to tell me that he's the best of the next-gen guys for so long. And I just don't see the results. We mentioned for this tournament, he was around plus 350 like plus 400, despite not having many great hard court results. He's had a couple, but nothing substantial. And he came out and responded to my call out by losing to Tommy Paul in his first match of the tournament in three sets yesterday. He was up a set and he was at, he actually had match point in the tiebreaker. It was on Paul's serve. Paul had a nice serve and he fought it off. But Alcaraz. I don't want to fully rehash it because we just talked about it last episode. Are the odds makers ever going to learn? Because it seems like Alcaraz is going to continue to be so mispriced pretty much every tournament. And I don't think I can ever take him to win a tournament because it seems like he has, of course, he's still going to grow as a player. There are just so many flaws that I still don't think he's fully, I'd say, corrected. Mostly involving the second serve, Paul was killing him on the second serve returns, mostly with the backhand right down the line. Do you? Do you? I, I'm trying to think of where to really go from here. I can't apologize after being right, can I?
1: No, I mean when you talk about the second serve, uh, he hits 91 percent of his second serves in play, and only won 44 percent of the second serve points. He was he was getting destroyed on his second serve and. We talked about the value, and we we keep talking about the value. And you're absolutely right that you can't take him to win a tournament. Not only because he loses, he's losing in the finals and in this round one, but only all, also because the value's not there. You're not making enough money on these plays to be able to bet on him in general. It's it's the money lines. It's the quarter winners. It's the winning of tournaments. It's just not worth it. And that's even besides the point that he's actually
0: losing matches. Yeah, and the main reason why I called him overrated is because when he was coming up, people compared him to Nadal solely because he's a Spaniard. Don't offend Nadal like that. Like, that's ridiculously offensive. I I get the fact that you want him to be the next guy because Nadal's now had some injury issues and he's in the final couple years of his career, we saw Federer's career basically end already. But people are so quick to find the next guy. There will never be another Djokovic. There will never be another Nadal. There will never be another Federer. It's okay. They're the three greatest players in the history of the sport. Alcaraz is a good young player, but stop for the love of God comparing him to Nadal. This is ridiculous. Just stop it.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we clearly haven't seen his full potential, but it's just it's not comparable to a guy like Rafa, and it's not right to him. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, we'll see how he how they price him in the in future tournaments. Uh, is there a tournament in between this and the U.S. Open going to happen?
0: Well, Cincinnati's uh, happening. The calendar. Nadal is officially back for Cincinnati. He's going to try oh, wow. to give it a go. They don't know how well he's going to perform or whatever, but I guess he needs at least one tuna match after the abdomen injury to see if he still can actually play in the U.S. Open. But I feel like, especially on non-clay surfaces, we saw it in Wimbledon, and we talked about it, how Alcaraz had low odds. Yes, he performs pretty well at Wimbledon, but he really hasn't had many great results on non-clay tournaments, and he's priced like he's supposed to be the favorite every time, and I just don't see it. And I'm not going to fully repeat everything that we just talked about. All I'm saying in a hard court or grass tournaments, Alcaraz should never have lower odds than center center's a better player.
1: And we, we see him head to head. It's easy. It's easy to see that center has owned Alcaraz for pretty much most of the time here. And it just comes down to, it's not play. We're not going to critique him too much on his play. It comes down to price and the bookmakers. That's it.
0: I I think that he's extremely overvalued. I'm not going to tell you. I said it before. He's going to win several Grand Slams, but people expect him to win every tournament. He's not that good. Like, there's a difference. I'm just going to throw that out there. So, anyway, those are two takeaways. I know we also mentioned some outrights on the quarters and for the tournament as well for uh, the pre-tournament show. And so far, knock on wood, uh we have life you know we got a pulse on a couple of these uh sam you want to remind some of the people uh, what you ended up having in the last show
1: uh well talking uh, talking about each quarter here i did have medvedev in the first quarter we didn't really see anyone that could compete against him unfortunately he lost to kyrgios but uh second quarter we mentioned bautista goo he's still live and he's looking great Uh seven there, to so. one i got but it very good and we have Auger still in it, just beat Ishioka nicely, two sets. So both of those are still in play. And then you go into the third quarter. We both uh, said Sinner is actually most likely to take it. But I did mention Karina Busta. I did kind of take it back a little bit, saying that you had to play baratini and Sinner. Uh,
0: you it, mentioned two long shots. I, I, rem- I remember you mentioning Busta and you mentioned Krajinovic.
1: Uh still in that quarter. And the other no, quarter the other lost quarter. to
0: Evans in the first round.
1: Well, but... I, I mentioned more of Karina Busta and to pat myself on the back, I did specifically say I wasn't sure about that Barrettini match. Yep. And I thought Barrettini was going to have some problems. Of course, the change of surfaces, which I keep mentioning. And look what happened. 6-3, 6-2, Busta destroyed him. And he, he's moving on. It, it's going to be an interesting match with Center going three sets um, against Manorino today and he absolutely destroyed a whole guru Karina Busta thats zero six three. is 6-0-6-3 so he's, li- he's live and we're going to see what happens especially with Sitsipas also in that quarter playing Jack Draper I don't think that's going to be such a cakewalk either I think Pass is the kind of guy who will maybe drop a set or will drop a set um, in this type of matchup with the change of surface so We'll see what happens if Sitsipas goes down. It's wide open. Karina just has one match, pretty much to beat, him. that's center.
0: Yeah, from what I remember, uh, from what I had, I had Medvedev to win the first quarter. I didn't have anybody else. I had Agut as my only play in the second quarter at seven to one, and he has looked fantastic. He has not dropped the set. Then in the third quarter, I had Sitsipas. I think we both agreed that Sinner would probably win the quarter, but we didn't want to face Berrettini and... But of course, that doesn't matter because Berrettini lost. But I think we both ended up picking Sitsipas, or at least we like the value in Sitsipas.
1: I don't remember exactly. I, be, I know but...
0: I did. I remember I leaned to Pass because he only would have to face Sinner or uh, uh, Berrettini and not both. So I think that was why I went with Sitsipas. He hasn't played yet against Draper, so... Uh, either way, or the match is technically underway now. But the point is, uh, looking at the fourth quarter, I was on Chillich at, I believe it was 12 to 1. After recording, though, I found 14 to 1. And, and yep, yep. I, I mentioned him for the outright as well at 66 to 1. And he has not dropped the set. He's looked fantastic. So, yeah, yeah we've we we got a lot of draws.
1: You, you asked me, what do I think for a long shot? First thing I said was Chilich, and you said, yep, that's the guy I was looking at. And right now, his path looks absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. compared to what it was in the beginning. He has to play Tommy Paul, who I also like a lot, with that big win against Alcaraz, the American. And then you have Taylor Fritz who just beat Tiafo in 3 and Dan Evans on the top who beat Rublev which is a sad story because we were both on Rublev. I, I don't
0: know what's going on with Rublev right now. But <laughs> I
1: don't I don't either. It's it's I don't know. But uh Taylor Fritz he, he was complaining after last tournament's loss that he's his movement's not 100% there so we're going to see. It's going to get interesting. Tommy Paul and Chilich, I think either one of those is my pick to move on to the to win the quarter now. Uh, as we see the bracket.
0: Yeah, I also had a fun play off air for the women's tournament, which was not even close for the record. I had uh, Layla Fernandez uh, to win the tournament at 66 to one. I found every other book had like 25 to one, but one book had 66 to one. So I obviously bet it. And uh, she lost today in the second round, which happens, you know, whatever. But still, uh, overall, it's been a pretty good tournament for us uh, because a lot of our outrights are still alive. So we're going to see what happens over the next couple of days. I mean, if I lose the Chilich and I win the Batista good 7-1, to I'm going to be thrilled either way. So mm-hmm. we have a couple of long shots here. Busta, I thought, looked fantastic. I think you got a real shot at that one. But I was going to pivot a little bit and talk about the actual matches that we have in line for tomorrow. There are some matches that don't have lines posted yet. However, we do have a couple. Uh, Sam, you want to dive into them?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, going into tomorrow, well, we have the Titsy Boss match still
0: going up, and I think yeah, we're going kind of... to ignore that one for now.
1: All right, fair enough. You have the Evans versus Fritz match um, that's going on tomorrow in the afternoon, twelve o'clock. Uh, that should be an interesting match. It depends on if Fritz is totally there or not. If Fritz is there and he has his strength back and his movement back, I think Fritz should easily take that match. If he doesn't, it could definitely be a toss-up here. Um, I think
0: if, I'm picking Evans in yeah, that one.
1: I, I'm going to stick with Fritz. He, he was able to uh, stick it out with Tiafo and win three sets, which shows me a little bit of confidence and uh, mobility. Uh, but uh, either way, it could be a toss-up. It, it really depends on his movements, but I'm going to go with Fritz. I guess you're going with Evans, but we move on to the next one. We finally have what you mentioned to me, the Australian matchup between Kyrgios and Demon Hour.
0: Yes, we have a line on that one, by the way. Kyrios is minus 250, and Dimonor is plus 190. Unfortunately, for actual games and totals and spreads, we got nothing. We just have the money line. But, I mean, do you want to make a case for Dimonor? I think that he's extremely improved. We saw that in the final against Brooksby a couple of weeks ago in Atlanta. But based on what I've seen, I mean, is one of the best returners in the world and Kyrgios faced two breakpoints in three sets. Like I think they said it, it during the match, Kyrios is holding serve this year in 93% of his service games, which is absolutely insane. I think it's going to be a very competitive match because Diminor is a pusher, and I think he's going to force Kyrgios to hit a bunch of extra shots. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you might see Kyrios self-destruct in a game or so. The problem is I think Diminor is not a good enough server to hold serve every time. I think Kurios is going to win. I think it's going to be competitive, but I think it's going to look similar to the Baez match where you're going to see a 64 4 6-4, maybe a 7-6, 6-4. But I just think that Kurios has too many weapons in his arsenal for Diminor to match up with. So I'm going to go with Kurios.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with the performances Kyrgios has been putting up with. Uh, It just looks pretty clear that he's going to be a dominant factor right now. Uh, It all depends on his mobility and strength to move on for the final rounds, for the semifinals and finals. But here, I think hours like you just said, will hit a lot of shots back where Kyrgyz will have to hit some extra shots, but it doesn't seem like Kyrgyz is wavering too much when he just played a guy like Medvedev, the king of uh, returning shots and having you to hit shots back. So... Uh, if it goes to a tiebreak, I think actually Demon Hour can take it because he's actually very solid on tiebreaks. Curios is really not that
0: good in tiebreakers.
1: No, I think he's under 500 in tiebreakers now in the year. So I actually think Demon Hour would take it then, but you, you have you have the problem with serving. So I do think Curios will win the match. Minus 250 is not bad, like you mentioned. I'm not sure about the spreads and totals. Demon also is playing doubles right now into the late night. So that could take away from his conditioning. Uh, so I guess we're both going to go with the minus two fifty on Kyrgios now that we don't have any spreads or totals. I'm
0: trying to I'm trying to think in my head what the spread would likely be. I got to assume three and a half or four.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, at, at the minus two fifty, that that makes sense. Those I'm saying so.
0: Probably there. I potentially wouldn't mind laying some juice on Diminor minus four. Uh, my, plus four and a half. I mm-hmm. think it's going to be two tight sets. I don't think Kyrgios is going to blow him out of the water. I think Diminor is a good enough rallier to force Kyrgios into a bunch of unforced errors. And really just to force him into potentially just having to serve extra. And we've seen Kyrios have some questionable choices for second serves, which result in double faults. So I think it's a close match, but I'm going to give it to Kyrgios.
1: Uh, all right, and then uh, we'll move on to the next match after that. We're going into the second, well, yeah, we're going to the second quarter now. Fritz was already in like the third or fourth quarter, but uh, we're going Nori versus Augur, of rematch of yep. what we saw last week. We saw Nori get to it in three sets and win the match. Uh, do you have a money line or spread here or total?
0: Uh, as of right now, I do not. But since it's in Canada, I got to assume Felix is going to be like minus 135 minus 145.
1: Well, I'm I'm taking that then I'm taking with the auger with the money line here. But what do you
0: th- what do you think? cuz he just beat him. So P- I think it's going to result in the line being closer, but Felix still has the head-to-head advantage technically and it's in Canada. So Felix should be favored.
1: Yeah, I I yeah, because Nor just beat him though. I think It'll only be a very, very slight favorite, maybe yeah. minus one twenty. I, I said think 30, it'll be,
0: 40. Okay, yeah.
1: I think it'll be mostly a toss up, but I'm going with the Auger side here. Uh, I, he he just lost him in three sets, but he's a hometown kid now. He's been doing very well in these early. Um, early matches and early rounds, I think he'll have enough strength and stamina to push through it and beat Nori this time around, especially because they just went three sets. And, you know, when they go back to back, I actually like going the other guy if it's a very Mm -hmm. close match. Uh, It's just a trend that I usually see. But I also think that Augur is putting up very good performances to take this one.
0: I do have to at least point out, though, how badly Nori absolutely cooked Zanulup yesterday, which was just an absolute clinic, six one six two. It was a bloodbath. Now Felix did win two competitive sets against Nishioka. Nishioka just made the final. He's he's having a phenomenal past couple of weeks. Uh, but both won in straight sets. Nori had an easier time. I think Felix gets revenge in front of the home crowd.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned the the Zanschlop match. Uh, I believe I, I talked about briefly Ketchmanovich beating Zanschlop, and that did not happen. But is just kind of a more developed Ketchmanovich in a certain play style, and their certain play style, and uh, he was able to take down Zanschlop very easily there. But uh, going on to the next match, do you like the uh, do you
0: like the over in that one? I think that's going three.
1: It could definitely go through again. I'm going to stick with the Auger. That's just what I like. I like the Auger yep. money line here. If it's close to that coin flip, minus 110 to minus 130 or anything um, lower than that, that would be nice. Yep. All uh, right. What do we got for the next match? We got Hercots versus Ramos-Vignolas. Uh, that's the first uh, first quarter. And you have Hurkats. That's the first quarter, right? I think I'm right there.
0: I believe so.
1: Yeah, he's in the quarter with Kyrgios and yeah. Diminara on the other side. Uh, Ramos Vignola is putting up great performances. We you mentioned to me earlier today, um, beating Schwartzman six four six two, and beating Goffin, who I know you liked seven six six two. So he's well, been I, really like
0: Goffin against Sock, and he absolutely just crushed me on that one. So not for this tournament. Oh, okay.
1: So I was getting confused with the other tournament, but Ramos Vignola is also a guy that will push back. And will also return shots and make you hit some extra points, uh, extra shots now, especially with his recent performances. He, he He's a little bit volatile sometimes, but right now he's really playing very good tennis. So I think this one will actually be very interesting, and it really depends on the line that comes out. Uh, if Ramos Vignolas is, you know, plus two-something or more, I think there's definite value that could be played on there. But uh, I, I think I'm going to like the over... Uh, if it's close to 22 and a half, 21 and a half spot uh, in this match, both consistent guys, but if Ramos Vignoles is able to push back a little bit, or actually I like the plus on uh, Ramos Vignoles cause I don't think he's going to be favored here, obviously. Uh, so uh, I think it'll be pushed back and I think it'll be a close match.
0: If I'm purely speculating, I think that her will be minus minus one hundred and sixty. Uh,
1: yep. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. What do you think about this one?
0: Uh, Herk has, has burned me in the past too, but I think the one reason why I'm still going to take Herkaz is I'm looking at Ramos Finolas' first two opponents in this tournament. Very impressive performances, obviously, but there's a common theme. He faced Golfin and Schwartzman. they both can't serve. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's going to be the story here. Herkaz is a very good server. I think he's going to hold serve more easily, and we know Ramos is not a great server, so I guess the question I have for you is if... If Herkaz breaks once in each set, is there a guarantee Ramos is going to break once in in each set? I think think, he will. I I think think he might. I think he might. But I am at least going to point out that the big difference between Herkaz and the previous two opponents is the serve for Ramos. And I think as a result, he's going to struggle a lot more in the return game.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely fair. Herkaz is definitely a better server than the last two opponents.
0: He's been very streaky, though. So Ramos can get into a lot of long rallies and wait for Herkaz's strokes to fall apart. But I do think, in hindsight, Ramos had two pretty solid matchups for him because he was facing Golfin and Schwartzman, who play relatively similar styles to himself.
1: Right, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I I absolutely agree with you there. And you see Herkaz... He played. I he played Rusevori. Sixteen aces for her cuts, but the yeah. only thing is, sixty-one percent on his first serve. Mm. And once you get down to the second serve, it's can he really? win those second service points. I know he won sixty percent against Roussevori, but Ramos Fignolas is more of a player that could hit back the ball than Roussevori uh more often and keep it in play than Roussevori. So it should get interesting. I still think I, I still like the plus on um Ramos. I still think he could definitely break Hercotts. If he Herkots breaks once he's set I think it's definitely going to be favorable for Ramos Vignolas because I think he'll I'd definitely like the, be able to break back well, at least once.
0: So. I think you might get a tiebreaker in here. I I, I see an over. I think you're looking at like a, either a 7-6, 6-4 type of match or a three-setter. But I do think each player will have moments in this match.
1: Uh, so what do we got next? We got Batista Guvers, Rude, which we actually have. A, uh have some odds here. It's actually very, very close. And t- surprising to some people looking at just the rankings here, if the 7 versus the 18, 7 minus 125.
0: I think the wrong player's favorite. Really? I do. I'm taking a good. Nah, I, I mean, he was, he, was, he was my pick to win the quarter in the first place. But from what I've seen in this tournament, he has looked as good as I thought he was going to be. And I'm looking at what I expected to see from Ruud. He's played one hardcourt match, beat Molkan, He looked okay in the match, 7-6-6-3. But you look at the head-to-head, and it 2-0. Uh, now, if you want to look at the actual surface, they did play on hard court in the ATP Cup back in January. And Batista Good won in straight sets. But you have a guy who's 2-0 in the head-to-head. He beat him in hard court earlier this year, and he hasn't dropped a set in the tournament yet. And both play styles are relatively similar. I'm taking a goot.
1: Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, are, you, are you going straight up with the money line at plus 100?
0: There is that what you mean? Yeah, I'm not going to get cute with it. I'll take the money line. I think. I think if you want to take the minus one F sets, you could. I'm just not going to bother. I think I'll win the match.
1: Uh, Anything to do with serving here that uh, Bautista Agu played uh, in his previous matches? Uh, Brooksby and Giron, two guys who are not the most terrific servers either. I mean, two big guys. I was going to say, no, I don't think it
0: matters because on one hand, Ramos Vinolas is now facing a great server. Rude's not a great server by any means.
1: No, and no, yeah, I mean it's also Bautista, Good compared to Ramos Vignolas, who had an absolutely terrific match a couple of weeks back. I talked about it on the podcast briefly. It was wild—some fake injury callouts, yeah, some bad calls by the ref, just wild stuff. But um, they play kind of similar stuff. But this is going to be a hell of a match. It's it's a, it's this is a one that's really really tough for me to call. Rude, obviously, it doesn't have the same amount of, I don't want to say firepower, but performances on hard court versus clay court. So I'm not considering rude as the clay court as clay court. I'm considering rude as hard court. And it's going to be a hell of a match here. I think, um, but Definitely. Definitely has a shot. Uh, obviously when he's a coin flip, he has a shot, but
0: it's Agut's, really tough. He's taller. To a really also taller, which, you know, really? pl- what, I thought he was,
1: what's the heights there?
0: Uh, I always thought that he was taller than Rude, Rude is six see. feet. Rude is but six he's... flat. I thought I, th- I always thought a Goot was like six two. He's six two? Hey, six. six They're both, they're six both even. My bad. All right. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe just based on how they stand when they return. I always thought a Goot was like an inch or two taller. But when I picked him to win the overall quarter, I was anticipating this matchup. I mean, I, I kind of it- had to anticipate it. So I'm not going to switch now. I got a Goot to win the quarter.
1: But fair enough, and we got—I think we got a decent price on that one. But uh, you think Agu actually ever slides back into the top ten again? I mean, his best rank of all time, I think, was uh, ninth. Do you think he slides back in at some point this year, or some point maybe twenty twenty three?
0: I'm gonna say no. Uh, he's thirty four. So I know, of course, Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, I mean, hell, they could be 37 and they would still manage to win some grand slams. But yeah. Agut is a very solid player, but I think he's probably going to top out around 14, 13. But you look at all the younger guys that are also coming up. Like, do I think he's going to stay, do I think he's going to pass Fritz or Nori or any of these guys? Probably not. I think that Agut is a solid I don't care what the ranking says. I think he's a top 15 player in the world, but I don't think he'll ever get top 10 again. I think top 15 is more of a discussion.
1: It's going to be fun to see how, when Batista Agu hits back the ball and keeps the ball in play, how Rude responds. Uh, because Rude, what were the matches he played? Let me pull that up. He played against uh, Molkan. All oh, right, You mentioned Molcan just in the first round. It wasn't easy, but not, he got through it. Right. He got through it, but against the guy who's you know not the best player out there right now with Molkan, he's, he's an up and he's up and coming really uh but uh not so good as uh, uh, batot as hitting the ball back in play y- you know what it's, you really are sweating me with this one i might have to also go batista Gut, but i to they, they stay hardcore. away
0: they played in January, a good one uh, straight sets.
1: I'm going to be a spectator on this one, stay away. I'm going to, you know, take the easy road here and step away from this one, even though it should be a really fun match.
0: I just think the wrong person's favorite.
1: I love it. And then we got Center versus Karena Busta. That's a hell of a match. I mean, that's over with the, perf- with the performances that Karena Busta has been playing and the Yannick Sinner, who's obviously one of the top guys uh, on the tour right now. That should be a really good match. That will show us if Karina Busta's performances right now are really how he is, or if once he plays a guy like Yannick Sinner, he falls flat. Uh, because Yannick Sinner has a couple matches under his belt, obviously, Karina Busta played Berrettini. He was also a guy, top, top guy on tour, but I always say the surface change, first match. Sinner has played a match. Sinner has played a few matches, so it should, should be interesting. Should be yeah. interesting, but the uh, we have odds here. We have minus two twenty seven on Yannick Center and plus one seventy five on Karina Busta. I think Center probably takes this in the, at the end of the day. Uh minus two twenty seven. I'm not going to lay. The over is definitely a play that I would also be looking at. And you you were screaming it out when I just said the yep, match. Over. So also doing a hand gesture pointing
0: at. to the ceiling. Just over. I love it. But do we have a do we have a game total on that one, maybe? I do not, we however, i I see, I see three sets at plus one forty, and I see Karenia Busta to win a set at plus one at uh minus one fifty five.
1: Wow, minus one fifty five to win a set—that's pretty big. Yeah, that's pretty big for Karenia Busta against Yannick Sinner. And I'm Yannick not gonna center I'm not also... gonna
0: overreact to Sinner by the way, because it was a surface change. And even though Manarino isn't a great player, he's one of the most unique players on tour. Because he's a junk ball hitter, and I can guarantee you, you can find a lot of players that play similarly to any of the clay guys that you see that just keep the ball in play and everything like that, but Manorino is like the ultimate impossible-to-prepare mediocre player. If I know it's a long title. I, I, it's a working title. You know, I'm going to workshop it, but Manorino is a junk ball hitter. He's been playing on hard courts for the last couple of weeks, so he was already adjusted to the court change. I'm not gonna overreact. Sinner woke up and he figured it out from there. But Karenia Busta looks so damn good against Berrettini and against Rune. I think he's been the most impressive player for me in this tournament up to this point. He looked unbelievable.
1: Yeah, with the, with that upset against Berrettini, absolutely and, and yes, a, I, I know Kyrie's
0: I know curious beat Medvedev. I'm talking about like some from a somewhat unpredictable, or I know you had it, but a flying under the radar guy. That seems to be clicking on all cylinders. Carina Boost is checking every box. He looks as good as he ever has. Oh, I thought you were going to say Tommy Paul. No, Paul's Paul's good. <laughs> Paul's good. Don't get me wrong. But Busta, I mean, he he knocked Berrettini around the court. He crushed him.
1: Yes. I mean, what was that? 6-3-6-2? Six, six, I didn't was think Berrettini even one? looked
0: that bad. It just looked like Busta was hitting every single shot perfectly up the line
1: yeah yeah i mean he, his performance there was unbelievable then he had six donut versus uh who he just played today rune, rune. um so that was impressive obviously not in the caliber barrettini or center but still very very impressive uh yeah yeah three sets i like over two and a half at plus 150 i see that's not a bad one i think Booster, if you can take the first set that can be very very nice and rewarding for betters uh I think is gonna win the match, so I'm gonna say it. I think you will see some high scoring also if you want to take the over. Like you said, seven fives, maybe seven sixes out there, a couple breakbacks. Uh is hitting hitting his forehand like and it, it, like he's been in his prime right now. So
0: as far as I'm concerned, this is the match to watch on uh Thursday. You can argue about, you know, higher ranked players and everything like that, but For me, this is the match that I have circled on my virtual calendar. Like, I'm going to watch this match in its entirety. This should be fantastic.
1: Do we have a timing for that match, or it's all... No, as of right
0: now, they're all listed for noon, but they're going to shuffle it around once the matches today are done. Right.
1: All right, all right. So then we have one last one, not including Tsitsipas, who is playing Draper, obviously. But we have Chilich versus Paul. And another interesting one, Kind of completely different play styles. Draper up a break, by the way. <laughs> <in> the <play laughs> that's what I like to see. Uh, Tommy Paul. That's what, I thought he was. I thought Tzibas might start off. Fly. He's a he's a lunatic. Chilich, we we mentioned him. We said that he has tremendous odds at plus sixty six hundred. You found to win this tournament. He hasn't dropped a set. He's serving. He's serving very very well, but he's against a guy like Tommy Paul, scraped out a win against Alcaraz. But Chilich's serving might be too much for Tommy Paul to handle. And I honestly think that's what's going to hold true. I think Chilich is going to be very tough to break for a guy like Tommy Paul. Yeah, Tommy Paul played Alcaraz and Pospisil. Pospisil, I mean, but he played Alcaraz. Shout out too. to that
0: guy, by the way. Still still hanging in
1: there. bosic
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's mostly a challenger guy now. But
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, he's playing in Canada. That's really yep. why he got in there. I mean, he's been around for a while, hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. But Chilich with the serving, I think, will be too much for Tommy Paul. Uh, we have an odds there, minus one forty-nine, minus one fifty for Chilich. I think he'll hold true. I think his holds of serves is what's gonna get him there. I don't think Chilich is gonna break much uh, against Tommy Paul, though. But once the set might be enough for him, yeah. and that'll be the
0: game changer. For me, I'm going with Chilich uh, once again. It's it's a little bit of a of Batista good theory. I picked him to win the quarter. So why the hell would I stop now at Tommy Paul? I thought this was going to be Alcaraz. <laughs> so so I feel a lot better about my matchup now with Chilich. But he's 2-0 in the head-to-head. Uh, they played in 2022 back in January on hard court. And Chilich did win in three, if you want to follow that type of past uh, match history. But the main issue that I have with Paul in this match is the time on court. His match against Alcaraz, two out of three sets, it went three. Three hours and 20 minutes. It was an absolute war. And Chilich beat Kakanov in an hour 26. I'm really concerned about fatigue for Tommy Paul, especially against Alcaraz, who's going to make you run around the court like a lunatic the entire time. Like, Chilich played for an hour and 20 something. But we know a lot of his service points are relatively short because Chilich can serve well and he tends to back it up with a good forehand. The only concern I have is that Paul is very good at keeping the ball in play and Chilich's strokes are, I'd say, prone to self-destruct. But the fatigue, I can't get past. I think Paul's going to be out of gas, especially if this goes deep into a second set or a long second set or a third set. I'm taking Chilich.
1: Yeah. I think it's going to be too much for Paul to handle three uh, hours and 20. Yeah. I mean, that's also brutal, but I mean, that, that just goes on to it. We said Tommy Paul lose to Kyrgios in the city open. Kyrgyz obviously fantastic serving and he lost to Ivashka who's an underrated server. server. Uh, he can serve pretty well in matches. Um, but I think, like you said, the, the fatigue factor is definitely there. Like you said, and th- the serving will be too much and then Chilich will have to play one other person to win the quarter, and that is between Evans and Fritz, which Hold. is definitely a winnable match for him. Hold. I, would think, I would think that if Evans or Fritz, Evans wins that one, it's a great match. I think Chilich might be favored versus either one of them. but we'll- I
0: think I think Fritz would be favored because Fritz is still a top 15 player. I, I think Fritz would be like minus 120, but Chilich would be like minus 130 against Evans.
1: I'll take a, a minus 120. We have to win the quarter. We only have
0: at 100 then if you if you yeah. uh, incorporate the juice. Not so bad. I'm purely just speculating, so but I, I do think Fritz would be favored in that hypothetical head-to-head matchup.
1: I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. I understand it. All
0: right. Uh, anything else you want to cover before we uh, get into the Lock and Dog segment? Uh, let's do it. Go. Okay. So, we're going to uh, take a quick break, and then we're going to be back with the lock in dog segment. We're also brought to you by Run Your Pool. Run Your Pool is the home of competition, bringing sports fans and their social circles together to compete, connect, and make every game more important. Run Your Pool offers every game type under the sun, from Pick'em and Survivor to Fantasy Pools. It's a one-stop shop for sports gaming with customizable features that you don't get anywhere else. We've teamed up with Run Your Pool to host a pool for our annual SGPN NFL Survivor Contest. It is free to enter and there are tons of amazing prizes that will be announced soon hop in now to reserve your spot get in over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash survivor that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash survivor We're also brought to you by Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. And they also just passed four million users. And now you could win money on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money that you put in. And with the NFL season right around the corner, Sleeper is the first sports contest game built into the fantasy experience. The main reason why I'm excited about the over-under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I could join my buddies' contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I could see and copy my friends' picks with just the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listeners group at, uh, on Sleeper at sleeper.com SGP, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com SGP, and you'll get $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode does not actually protect your privacy? That's right, without added security, you might as well give away all your private information to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means all your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing speed on computers, tablets, phones, even Fire Stick devices while streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. Plus, IP Vanish has a great deal in place. It's offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just just like getting nine months absolutely free. IP vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's IPVanish.com slash SGP. Welcome back, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We briefly recap the tournament so far, talk about the upcoming matchups, but now it's time to talk about our favorite matchups, our, our favorite bets from the upcoming matchups, I should say. Sam, I'm going to go first. We both hit the locks and we missed out on the dogs. Let's go for the sweep.
1: Alright, so my lock is going to be on the hometown kid Auger Uh He's playing Nori. We talked about it before. He's played Nori last week, and he did lose in three sets, but that's not going to deter me in the slightest. I think with the home crowd behind him and him coming back, knowing Nori's play style, no surprises to him, I think Auger's going to be able to overcome um, the pressure of Nori hitting back those balls um, and being the that guy that is the very defensive to him. But I think Auger Ali seems going to be, have his mentality there, have the crowd behind him and be able to push through. I wouldn't even be surprised if he wins this in two sets, um, I think he actually, uh, that would be a, b- a bold call, but I'm, I'm just sticking with the money line here, but I think he actually will do two sets here against Nori uh, and he'll, he'll just pull through on the money line. though.
0: Okay. Well, if you want to go for a nice plus price there, you could take the two nothing if you want to be a bit risky, but what's going to be your right. dog pick.
1: Right. That, that would be a bit risky. I'm not recommending it like I'm recommending the money line the dog, I'm going to go with a tough matchup between Ramos, Vinales and Hercots. Hercats, much better server than Ramos has seen, but I still think Ramos, Vinales will be able to take a set with how he's playing. He hits those balls back, and be able to make Hercats hit a few more shots which can hurt him, which we have seen hurt him uh, in the past, and with Ramos Vinales actually winning a set, I know will be a nice plus money when he hasn't lost the set so far in this tournament, beating Schwartzman six four six two earlier today, and Hercouts having to play three sets earlier t- uh, was yet today against Rusevori. I'm going to take the over two and a half sets at a nice dog price.
0: Okay. And for me, I'm going to start off with the lock. I'm torn between two choices. It's the same match. It's either going to be Karenia boosted to win a set at minus 155 or the over 22 games at minus 143. I think I'm just going to take boosted to win a set uh, at minus 155. He's looked incredible. And I'm a big center guy. I think center is an incredible player. I think he's actually the best of the next gen guys. But from what I've seen, it looks like early on, Karenia Busta is having, I don't want to say the tournament of his life because he has won other tournaments before, but he has looked so damn good in the first two rounds. He kicked the crap out of a top five player in Berrettini or a top 10 player, you know, whatever. But still, Sinner's only played one hardcourt match and he didn't really look great against Manorino. But I do like the fact that Busta can rally with Sinner We've seen the forehand look look really dialed in so far. It's minus 155, but I'm going to take it. I think Busta could win the match if you want to go for a gamble there at like plus 190. But I don't think Sinner's winning this in straight. If he does, I don't think Busta gets blown out. I think worst case is he'll lose like 7-6 or something and it'll be competitive. But I do think he'll end up taking a set. So I'm going to go with Karenya Busta to win a set at minus 155. And, uh, and the dog my dog is going to be the boy i'm going to take rba i'm going to take batista Agut on the money line at plus 105 against Caspar rud i still think that the wrong person is favored in this match they just played on hard court i can't say just they played on hard court in january a good one straight sets he's 2-0 in the head to head Root has also only played one hard court match since making the transition over from clay. Agut played two because he had to play Giron in the first round. But Batista Agut look fantastic, and from what I can tell, they both have similar play styles. But I do think Agut's a little bit of a better server, so he might be able to hold a little bit easier. It's not going to—they're going to be a lot of breaks in this match. But I do think Agut has enough overall consistency to wear down Rude on one of his non-preferred surfaces. We know Root is especially a clay guy. Agut's actually underratedly a grass guy, but he's kind of good at everything. I just think Agut's more consistent. I'm going to take him at plus
1: 105. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would actually I would challenge you on that. I don't think... Is, is, is he, uh, does he have a better win percentage on grass and statistically hard court? speaking. I,
0: I statistically speaking, I actually have looked it up. Agut's best service is technically grass technically. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't, I can't compare the ATP titles. I'm sure it's not grass because significantly less tournaments, but I, from what I have gathered in the past, Agut's best surface is grass.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll back it up with the stats here. Uh, Bautista Agut has played 59 career matches on grass, you know, The win total percentage of 69.5%, and then on hard court, he's played 368 with a win percentage of sixty-three percent, you said the t- the titles. This one's not going to go in your favor in the slightest. Of course, because there's a grass tournaments. Eight grass one. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, it's there's a lot less grass tournaments, and he's played a lot fewer matches on grass. So, I'm just I'm just putting the numbers out there.
0: Yeah, but uh, that's indoor real, dog. If if you you want to compare
1: best? indoor
0: randomly? Indoor, Ooh. not as good as outdoor. Okay, Keep good. That's out. good for me. Alright, uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Where have been the indoor
1: matches? I don't remember an indoor tournament in a long, long time. He won in Doha.
0: And Doha was the last indoor? That's the one I remember him winning. He beat uh, Kakanov in the final, I think.
1: Hmm. I want some indoor. I want to see some indoor action. I don't know why, but I want to see something. You're tired like of that. weather delays. Maybe after the US Open. That's what it is. Bingo. No weather delays, perfect play, perfect conditions. Yep. Uh, I guess, I mean, if you like, so like wind conditions for a, l- a little throw-in factor, I understand it, but I want to see a change-up of indoor tournaments. That's fair. Um, yeah, you could see me here on this podcast, you know, all the time with Scott, uh, breaking down these matches, or you can follow me at, at Sam Jacob Tennis. Just released it a post before the Tsitsipas match, saying so, you know, that Pass is going to look flat coming into it. Uh, we're going to see... Draper's up a break. I don't
0: know. We'll see. We'll see. But either way, we'll be back in a couple of days to get through probably the semis, if I had to guess, as being the next time we do an episode. But, you know, looking forward to potentially sweeping the board. Should be fun. Looking forward to some good matches. And until then, good luck to all of you and all your bets. Bye, everyone.